0: felt too unnatural for a new player to get in in there so what did we do we changed all the mappings of like because we used an xbox controller like this you know like you know, we just changed it to all kinds of different buttons and saw like which one felt the most like like if you got like a your grandma in nebraska to play it like which one of those did it actually feel right and we would watch like we would i would spend like watching a play test and i would look at someone's hands mm. looking at like you know whether they how they were playing uh, and how they were using that button in a way that felt natural. And, and by the way, I make the joke that I overanalyze, but in this case, I had to overanalyze because that <laughs> was the type of game we were making. You're listening to Rules of Play, a game development podcast for anyone wanting industry insight, deep dives on games, and casual conversation.
1: Okay, we're going. The
0: official like a- go. <laughs> The, the skin like that's the official clapping you sound go. you can just, you know? hear the,
2: just hear the sound of skin on skin and that's just it and decapitation of your fingers <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs>
0: ah! go 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 <laughs> we've already started i can see the wave. Like, <laughs> and that's how we got two million views
2: <laughs> That's how we do Can't it. wait to tell the story later on. <laughs> <laughs> I my, what,
0: Daddy, why did you lose your fingers? Well, it's funny you should mention that, kids. Um, you know, like. <laughs>
3: uh. <laughs> awesome.
1: So, yeah, uh, normally we just amble about, like we said uh, yesterday. So, you uh, cool. can just do. Yeah. Let's, we'll let's just jump in it. We'll just jump in it. Yeah, let's just um, go through so uh well, anyway we'll jump with the normal question what has everyone been playing recently
2: oh who is it well as our guest william would you like to go first
0: sure i'm playing tales of arise and kina at the moment um so cool. like both games tales of arise is a, a it's a typical jrpg but i think it's it's fast enough that it doesn't feel slowed down like that's JRPGs always have this intention where they deliberately are very grindy. This feels just about right. But it could be because of my computer, but it's still, design-wise, just it seems like it's always been faster-paced. But yeah, and Kena has been a surprise. This really is probably the best-looking game of this year.
3: Yeah, it looks bloody amazing, just from the trailers alone, but um, uh. i Starting to pick that up, but my yeah, backlog's it's getting that one. gross. I'm trying to calm down with getting new games at the minute. Like, but
1: we've well, started uh, that 50, 50 games in a year thing. I don't know how many you're up to now. Me?
3: Um I think I'm like fourteen through, so I've got like what fourteen, like, like two and well, about, about three and a bit months to smash out the rest of it. Um, <laughs> I need to add Deathloop to my finish pile now, and I've almost finished Sackboy finally, so. I'm be, I'm getting closer.
1: <laughs> that's going to be a very big uh, descent oh, for you. Oh,
3: it's going to be a busy. Bear in mind, there's pretty much as soon as Infinite launches as well. Like praying that it's good. Like I'm just going to be just in multiplayer constantly Your as well. So that's light, just. You? You yeah, light. I mean, I'm away pretty much all weekend, so I'm only gonna have like Sunday to play a bit. But I caught last one, so that was it was good fun. What about you guys? Been playing out good.
1: Definitely, Mine. obviously. Yeah, about to oh, say mine's less interesting. It's be just been that. definitely pretty much exclusively this week. <laughs> I've just been playing a lot of that. Um, I'm nearly. I think I'm nearly there. I think I'm nearly. I I know what I have to do to finish yeah. it. Now, no spoilers. That's, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to like scare So remember
0: that me. scene where uh, you whoa, know, whoa whoa whoa! I still have I still I, I only just started. That's when George Bush arrived, and, <laughs> and I was oh. shocked about that part of the story. You know, that was the craziest. And when thing Twilight ever. Sparkle rode in, that was such <laughs> a special moment that I felt the game was saved at that time.
1: This is just a gearbox game now. We're just saying t- tiny Tina wonderland yeah. that's that, that <laughs> game
0: actually, is it's, it's actually the prequel to my little pony that's why there's no humans in <laughs> my little pony it's <laughs> eradicating that's... each other oh, what about I you tell me
3: the... be playing it uh... i've
2: i've recently finished um the artful escape which is the oh yeah yeah I heard about. and if uh if you're into like space opera style glam rock then I cannot recommend this game enough okay <laughs> oh my god okay. like it, the soundtrack to it is incredible it's, it's like um it's quite rudimentary gameplay it's just like side scrolling and then a few choices and then like it's like a rhythm game in the in the musical sections right but the story and the environment set pieces had me completely compelled by it so nice. I would definitely recommend it to anyone good stuff um, it is yeah, and the writing in it is fantastic as well yeah
0: that's it's awesome cool. I wanted to pick it up um so that's that's good you Bring those topics up because that's what I look for in a game. <laughs> there you go. So,
2: I've sold one copy. There you go. Put me they on the marketing team. In, for
0: every copy you, they sell, one cent goes to you. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll be rich. I'll be rich.
1: <laughs> I remember. I remember looking at the trailer for that because it's on um, whoops, Game Pass, um, mm. and I was like, "This, this is mad looking. It just looks yeah. like a big LSD trip play play experience, but it looks really yeah. cool."
2: Yeah, well, the thing about it, I think I tweeted about it, but I said it has some of the best environmental set pieces I've seen in, in a while mm-hmm. in a game like that. Like, it's so grand, that's the best way yeah, of, yeah, yeah. to describe it. Anyway, I'll let you guys play it for yourself,
3: it's it's fantastic. Yeah, sick. Also, I realised that we've probably done this a bit back to front, Matt. I think we might have jumped the gun, so I guess we should probably have a bit of a formal introduction to our guests today. <laughs> so yes. we're joined wow. by uh, William Cranendon who is a talented level designer who's currently at Zynga Games, I believe, Um, who's had uh, quite the uh, varied uh, career so far, Um, worked on a lot of different projects. And yeah, we're very excited to have him on today. And we're just going to kind of go through similar to our first episode and go through kind of origin stories of how we got into industry, what made him want to be a game designer, level designer, and see where the conversation kind of takes us really um so yeah uh i don't know if you want uh, want to give yourself a brief introduction William. so uh, rather than me trying to butcher your experience or i'm happy to go for it it's, but up to you <laughs> i'm i'm very flexible
0: uh you know um take, with, with either way
3: to take it away well, if you want to kind of walk us through uh the kind of story so far and then we maybe we can we can rewind and kind of go backwards
0: all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, you know, oh, that was unintentionally a Texas reference. That's um, <laughs> very, very complicated. wasn't trying to, <laughs> to be intentional there. Um, yeah, I've been working in the industry since 2015. Um, started my career at a studio called Reverge, which was the studio that helped work on Skullgirls. And then after that, Forward working on Shantae. And then after that, Velen working on Knockout City um TikTok Bark um which is a shoot 'em up that recently came out and uh, and Amazon I worked on a on a game there too and now I'm here at zynga in Austin uh working on Star Wars Hunters um with the Boss Alien team in in it's actually Boss Alien as well in Austin but uh, we have another Division in Brighton, um, in the UK. So um, yeah, go England. <laughs> go the UK. Uh, yeah. get him, son. You know, <laughs> get him, son. Uh, that was too
3: good of an impression. <laughs> I,
0: I, you know, i I I watched way too many episodes of The Inbetweeners to to not bring hey, in that right. one. So you know, <laughs> amazing. Uh, so that's my career. Um, I have a. I was born in San Francisco. Um to a greek mother and a dutch father so um there were a lot of jokes you can make about all three locations and it's fine (laughs) like is that Um, official
2: we have your permission now you you, you have my permission to do that go for it i don't care
3: Uh, (laughs) that's class um yeah so like something we we'd like to do before was we were kind of talking about um, those kind of moments when you were kind of growing up that obviously we assume that you played games probably like others from a very young age, always had somewhat of like an affinity with them. Um, but did you have like a moment when you were like, shit, like, I I want to make games. Like, I really want to get into this because we've all had those moments from different aspects of it. Like sometimes it was watching behind the scenes stuff of games or being, you know, quite connected to a franchise. But yeah, did you have a similar thing kind of getting into that or... Um, it was, I I had a very odd childhood
0: when it came to that, because we lived in a lot of countries. I mean, I lived in four continents before I was seven. So I've, Mm. I've seen a lot of shit in my time in that Mm. aspect. And we, we were a family that sort of lived to get along with each other as much as we can. So we did a lot of things outside of the house and didn't watch a lot of TV and all that when we came to England and we were a bit more permanent at the time, um, you know, it it was a very different story. I would say Um, we had uh, like, um, like I I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have a a game console until I was 10, which was only so that I can, which I had to buy myself, which was a way that my dad would would teach me about saving and the the rewards you would get from saving money to, Mm to uh to to get a console but to properly answer your question because i don't <laughs> want to drag onto it too much but essentially i always loved building stuff i always was big into lego and everything and um i think after playing um bioshock which i think a lot of us have played mm. uh, i assume a lot of us have played i know jack has because uh, <laughs> we talked about it before um you know yeah. it's it's it, it just it was i was it was during a a tough period of my life and i didn't have many things to go by not you know i only had my my racing aspirations and not my anything else and i just loved building stuff so went into minecraft and was building i recreated rapture in minecraft um and then after that uh made an adventure map out of it and i realized i really liked that like i I really liked building stuff even if it was for an existing universe and Mm. having my own twist and trying to get it to a a really fun place and then like i just remember i was saying it uh, yesterday um like um i was at a go-kart track it was raining. It was horrible cold weather. It was you know not a very good year in my life. Um, and uh, I just remember I said, you know, fuck this, like fuck racing. You know, like it was, it was just yeah. too dangerous. It was too too much money, too many playboys, too much you know too many <laughs> apples that really got involved in this sport. And I was like, I think I, I think I really want to get into, uh, I really want to get into making video games, and that's. How it happened, and there were a lot of obstacles, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I'm pretty grateful that uh, that Bioshock helped me to do that. So thank you, Ken. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. He, he's definitely listening. <laughs> he's always listening. He's,
2: <laughs> he's always listening. <laughs> he's listening you know, yeah, yes. that's yeah. I mean, I that's oh, three of us tried to solve that. Say, Sorry, <laughs> someone, someone, other, someone
3: other than me. I've I've, I've talked a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Matt, you go.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I mean, that's super interesting. I was also, it was kind of a tangent, but it'd be interesting to see like the generation of people who, you know, younger people who grew up with Minecraft was their first thing and how much that would inspire people. Because I know a lot of people, like you were saying, started on Lego and then moved to video games and stuff. Yeah. So having just completely immersive Lego in Minecraft, I imagine is going to bring a lot of people into video games. And I just thought that was an interesting um tangent mm-hmm. no
0: i think it's i think it's great i think like that's that's the generation i mean you know people can create the things that they want in minecraft I'll, be, I'll beat it's very bare bones but that's i think what's what makes it so exciting about this next generation of of game developers i mean i remember like i i used to build a lot of crap in blockland i don't know if anyone's ever heard of that game
1: i but, have like not heard of that
0: no? It, 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 yeah, the, it's it was an interesting game. Um, <laughs> I would say this, but it was you know like I mean like the next generation might even be Fortnite players on Sandbox like creating yep. their own mm-hmm. games, and that's just so weird for me and so alien. But now it's like, well, I was the Lego generation, so yeah. I guess that was alien at the time too. But mm. that, well, even super
1: before
2: that, uh, you know, like the goes. modders
1: from like Quake and everything was a big big yeah. part of the industry early on, with mm-hmm. yeah. the programmers and everything. So. That's what I was going to say.
2: It's like it's like really cool to have someone on whose uh, experience in getting into the industry is completely different to ours because we sort of didn't really go down this sort of um sandbox or modding route. And I know mm. that's a big way into the industry. Is a lot of people go into like I know people who go into um creation engine for uh Skyrim and uh and yep. Fallout and that and then create loads of maps and, and and things in there, which is a really interesting way of doing it. As well as, like you say, like the things like um, Fallout, sorry, Fortnite, and stuff like that. It's a really interesting way of like flexing those design muscles and actually getting into the industry by showing people, "Hey, look, I can make these really cool missions in here. Please let me make missions for you." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like I, I completely agree with you because, like, I remember
0: I was talking to to one of my best friends is a guy called Michael Herbster, and he, he's a legend in design. Like, he was part of the Shovel Knight core design team. And uh, yes. he, I was telling him, like, how did you get into the industries? I was mm. a QA. I worked at a GameStop, and we, we you know, like, that generation it blows my mind even more, because it was like, yeah. they didn't even have, like, modding or any of that. They just, mm. if the chance happened, and there was coincidentally an opportunity to go work at a studio, then they could. I just, like, I... I I have to, I really admire that, that old school generation of, of, of designers. But I think, you know, we're really blessed that we have these opportunities. Although what's funny is I think this, like our current, I mean, you guys mentioned it, like, you know, like it is, it is funny how there aren't surprisingly a lot of modern level designers as much mm-hmm. as they used to be. I, I yeah. think it's depleted. Yeah. I think a lot of designers now are a bit more scared to go into, into that and they just want to do easy blockouts and unreal you, or something like that do
3: you think that's because of how um accessible like things like ue4 is though now do you think because that's free and the level of support it's so front and center or, like you can literally go on youtube and be like ue4 blah, blah 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 and you'll get hits of how to do stuff where modding i'm not saying it was like intentionally gatekept but it felt like to crack in and modding on a game, it took like you had to know someone who was doing it for you to really get into it properly. So maybe yeah. it's something to do with that. I, I big... would say, like,
0: I think that's a, that. You make a very good point. I think the accessibility is important. I also think that your your average like designer and there aren't average designers but like if i had to say yeah. that there was an average designer you know mm-hmm. your average designer like if they had a choice between going into source sdk and going to unreal <laughs> the go of unreal why because it's 2021 technology versus source yeah. which is yeah. early 2000 technology mm-hmm. but i think like for me like that's i think Personally, I think that's also a mistake too. Because we, in order to evolve our engine technology too, we do need to understand what is the limitations of engine tech mm. in general. Mm. And Unreal doesn't have too many limitations at the moment. No. And I mean, maybe BSP is still needs a little bit of work. Um, but now we got a nitrate technology, Ninite t- technology yeah. coming in, so rendering have, is not going to be an have, issue.
3: Have you seen the new um, the actual blocking out capabilities in UE five? No, it's no, actually... I haven't. I, it's it's looking it's like, really like, click and, yeah click and
1: drag so you set up a whole like content browser of your models and everything it's like That's super great. high res and you just mm. you just spam it in
3: but i mean even the actual like evolution of like the kind of bsp and the kind of like, actual blocking out stuff it feels closer to something like hammer or, like, especially hammer 2 like it feels like you can mm-hmm. really go yeah. out and be like you can like build and like entire like houses and structures like properly like how we, you know, not quite as you do it in like a 3D like soft um, package, but fairly close to that now. And being able to do that in engine, that's just a designer's dream, right? It's so you're not saying like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I be just able to
1: make white boxes with just full textured 4K texture yeah, yeah, assets, yeah. just put it, it in. in. Yeah, that's it's I mean, like.
0: it's great and. Yeah I mean like it's great regardless like you know I think it's so cool that engines and editors are getting more and more advanced I think it's 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 impressive how that's evolving but you know like I still think like we need to keep also to what a level designer is which is making sure that we represent the gameplay through our levels and not the other way around, and mm. I, uh, that's my concern about the next generation of designers and even some of the current ones, where it's like, oh, you know, we have to our levels will sell our gameplay. It's the other way around; like the gameplay always sells. The levels have to make that either nicer mm. or complemented. Mm. That's 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 the key, and that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah,
3: yeah for sure. Well, I guess we were kind of talking about um, our like journeys in the industry, uh, kind of there, so. We all kind of went through um the kind of like, like college and university route as well. Was that something that you did as well, or were you kind of completely different with with that? Because I know that's quite common nowadays. to Speaking about that, wasn't there for the kind of previous generations? I think ours was the one. Like yeah. my, my college course was like one of the first ones in the kind of area that was here. As you can do game stuff at college level. Like, wait, what? All my friends have gone to sixth form to do like chemistry and yeah. stuff and i'm sat there like that yeah. sounds crap i'm gonna go do games <laughs> so yeah. that something no. that was like available to you or so um
0: I would say like we had a like i lived in the netherlands for a few years and it's Mm -hmm. a very homogenistic society you know a lot of folks think the same way so everyone kind of does the same subject and kind of some people like to belittle other people because of that it's it's it is semi-cultural i would say it's it's hard to explain that but Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter like that the point was was like you know there were design courses in Mm -hmm. in the country um but like the original plan for me was to go to the U.S. and and go to uh, another university. I won't say what that university was just in case. Um, but uh, but it was an expensive one, and I just realized, you know, what was the point? Like spending all that money and putting yourself into ten or twenty years worth of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, for the sake of a six-figure like bachelor's degree, so um, we found we had two options: one to go to the UK, or two, I can save even more money so that I can do my internship in the US because that was the goal. My goal was to leave Holland, and I knew that that was like basically my reasons for it. So I had to go to a course that allowed me to learn a lot in in a very compact amount of time, and I found this university in the uh, the, the the east of Holland that was very attractive, and mm-hmm. I went there it was a it was a cheaper university and uh but it wasn't necessarily mean it was bad i mean like yeah. i learned a lot in, in in a short amount of time but the, you know that holland is not a predominant video game capital and i felt that wouldn't be a factor in in getting to my next stop of my career
1: mm-hmm.
0: as we all know turns out that's like one of the biggest biggest obstacles people who don't live in america japan canada or china yep. Um, uh, or the UK um, have to go through, but I didn't know that. So first year was, was a great year. Um, I Originally, my plan was to be an animator, but I didn't like, and I wasn't very good at animation. And then it shifted to design um game design. It was pure I purely wanted to be a game designer. My goal was to be the next Ken Levine, so I thought, "Hey, I'll be a game designer." <laughs> yeah, I, I again, and I realized <laughs> I like that. Yeah, right. And all the time like I've been like we did like level design modules and I always was very good at it, but I was like, "I don't want to be a level designer. That's not even like I didn't think there was a job for level design at the time, weirdly enough." So, um it took me until literally after I'd finished my job at WayForward to realize I that that is actually something i really enjoyed that was very natural to me and the rest is history you know like uh it was uh it it was it took a while to find my identity but yeah that's that's basically how i started my 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 knowledge in 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 design
3: yeah
1: that's interesting yeah i was gonna say with going into qa when you're way forward and then moving into level design uh, I mean how was that one how was that moving from QA into design because I know a lot of people see that as like a pathway into it's, design especially
3: it's exactly what I did yeah yeah I,
0: I think it's possibly the best in my opinion you learn maybe even more about production for a video game in QA because you have to mm-hmm. understand the quality of work you're outputting to me it, it saved my ass so many times like you know everything it took everything in level design felt like a luxury because in QA you had to call out almost everything in some ways it sounds like a depressing job but I think what we did a way forward uh which I loved enormously was we had um we had a team that gave you a lot of ownership for a certain like Part of a game you were working on. So in my case at WayForward, they put me on the most difficult dev kits on the planet, which was the Nintendo Wii U dev kits for Sean. Kit. And eventually, <laughs> I testing
3: on them. Oh my, oh my god.
0: god when you have to put, like, an SD, like, the, the, the pro, even, even I, thank God I blanked it out, actually, out of my memory, but it was a really, it was a horrible process, and, um, you sit there for, like, 30 minutes, and you're, like, all right, yeah, yeah. maybe the build will work. Oh, yeah. no, it turns out there's a difference between a North American build and an EU build. I'm gonna go kill myself, you know? Like, that's just, and then you have to redo the whole process, you know? And so, but that, that was the thing, like, you know, I think, like, for me, like, one of the things that I loved to answer your question, like the thing that really helped me a lot about QA is understanding what adversity stands for, because it allowed you to build upon that constantly and real and you know and challenge yourself and make sure that if a scenario like that happened, you can cover almost every scenario. You know, mm. QA mm. is a tough job. It's arduous. It's it's day. It's it's the same thing you do the day before. You do the next day. It's so different from design. But the same principle was always the same, which is the essence of passion for making video games is is still outputting a high quality product. Yeah, and that was really like that never that I carried over until everything I did. So I loved it. I, I, I the best times of my life, like when I was in college, was doing QA at uh, WayForward. Even if it was <laughs> just for four months, it was fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. yeah,
1: that's awesome, man. Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, I always find that people sometimes get, uh, at least people who don't really know much about the industry, get the... I mean, I was told it a lot as a kid. It's like, oh, you get paid money to play games. Like, yeah, that's it's not, it's that not really ch- what s- it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, I, all people say when you play games. Though, I was about to uh, is. And it's yeah. like... Yeah, like with some some things it would be like, yeah, you need to make this character go into this wall all day, like just to make sure the collisions <laughs> working and things like that. Well, you make, yeah, you but... need to do all this kind of stuff, and it's like, yeah, I'm playing the game, but I'm not really to play <laughs> I'm the not game. playing the game. <laughs> I'm like testing yeah. the boundaries of it to make yeah. it crash. Yeah. 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 Like but that's yeah. the
0: magic behind it. Like, you know, I think that's what like most people make the mistake of they they like they think that that the location and that the job you have is what's going to make you enjoy the job you have for me it's just making a fucking video game i mean that is it doesn't matter what the role is if you enjoy the game you're passionate about making games you don't give a crap about the role of course you can't there are limitations of course especially the more experience you build you know Yeah, yeah but like you know um, I always say to, to junior folks or entry level folks like you know it, just get into a game studio. It doesn't matter what role it is. Your pas- mm. if you're passionate of what you do, you're not going to give a damn what comes out of it. And I think that mm. is such an important lesson to learn from that.
2: Um, mm. That is but- that is an absolutely fantastic way to put it because like I, um, it, it goes through like uh, designers like yourself you it's the same thing where you think you want to be a game designer and then when you get a bit more experience you're like actually I'm going into level design or something like that or like you get folks who go into uh, who go into like animator positions or are character art positions and then they're like actually I want to do more environment stuff or I want to actually move into design I want to actually mm-hmm. give them a reason to um, do that and I think the only way for you to do that is to for you to come to that realization is to be in a studio and be like no actually I want to do what yeah, those I'm guys right. are doing. I want to do what those guys are doing, which is a realization that I came to. I went through the same thing where it was like, yeah, I want to be a game designer. And it's like, no, 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 I want to be a level designer, actually, because I really like uh, guiding the players somewhere. And then I realized it was actually, to me, it was more sort of, I like the reason that they're going there. Oh, that's more narrative design. Maybe I'm more into that. And then realization recently of being like, that's it. That's what I want to focus on. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that's the great thing about making video games because it's mm-hmm. like you know, like there are so many roles. We are such a new industry. We don't have a definition for for the roles and even the the design roles we have. It's constantly evolving. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us know what in five or ten years' time the roles are going to be. For all I know, there might mm-hmm. be a role for character narrative design. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. holy yeah. crap! It sounds funny now, but it's like it's probably no. going to happen. think yeah. you know? like,
2: <laughs> like, it doesn't even sound that ridiculous now. Like you're like doesn't, I doesn't. can see. Exactly how that is. If you've got a game that's so huge in lore, you need people who are specific on character design and, and law that comes. Through right, yeah. with that Character. There like we go. we just made a new. Position. Like if you look at,
3: um, <laughs> so like arcade I I just watched uh, the 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 NoClip documentary um, the, about the making of prayer mm-hmm. today, and like I've always known that they've had like architects involved with like dishonored and that stuff, and they kind of were in this weird in between between like level design and environment art. They were like this kind of midriff thing between it, but it seems like that like when they're talking about what their actual role is in that documentary, it's it's not what I thought it was at all, and it's like mm-hmm. arcane are the only studio I know of who have that role, but it's like mm-hmm. surely someone like Ubisoft, I'm guessing, they're working Assassin's Creed if they're recreating all these you know these buildings from alt stuff like. They'll have to get something like that involved at some point. Well, so they, must, it's they always... had
1: uh, they had historians when they were working mm. on. Uh, oh God, Odyssey!
0: That's they experience. did. Odyssey, I know. Honestly, yeah. they did 100. Because they had the
1: museum, they had like a whole mm, bit yeah. of the game, extra content thing. That you know, oh, we like yeah. we put so much effort into yeah. doing the exact history, historical yeah. representations, and yeah. all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's put in like a literal tour. Like you walk around in the level and you click on a statue. Yeah. and it's like, yeah. this is the statue from that's me. cool. This Yeah, yeah. That remember, a remember, really cool I like, that was extra cool. thing. So I think yeah.
2: the best way of putting that is that like because no two games are the same, no two roles at the studio at different yes. studios are the same. They may have the same title, doesn't mean they're the same role at all, and you get that just with more experience. Going well. yeah, I think yeah, that's no, a, yeah, Yeah, no, well, no. I, I just going, wanted
0: to, to to add on top of that. Like, yeah. that's I think the the bit, like again like another thing to share to juniors is everyone thinks mm-hmm. like oh because I'm a level designer therefore I'm going to be doing the same work that I see yeah. everyone else on social media mm-hmm. because some blog post told me to do that ever. That is yeah. like the definition of how not to be a developer slash designer yeah. because your role is going to evolve. What you learned like even like five years ago. I mean, remember when Unity was like at the top of the world of indie development and all that kind of stuff. Now the big thing now is creating your own proprietary ed- editor or going to other forms of software to just be able to make the work you, you 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 can or cannot do. That itself is like such a big leap going forward, you know. And the way that we think about design, you know, and the amount of books and resources. I mean, I had I had a, in my days we had a world of level design blog. That was my only reference yeah, to yeah, level design. I remember that. Yeah, that was, I yeah. that as
2: well. And, and when I look at
0: throwback. it now, <laughs> right? Like, and I was I was looking, I look at it now, and I'm like. Good God, man. Like, how far we've gone. Like, holy (laughs) mother. Like, you know, the pipe. Did you remember the pipe thing that they had about Arrow's Edge or anything? We used that for Knockout City. Fun fact, for blocking out. True story. Um, (laughs) The way the colors worked and everything in the blockout process. Because we couldn't have art, and we could only use primitive primitives to design our stuff because bsps do not work with yeah. uh with ball throwing so we just use colors for for everything and it was fucking fantastic and Amazing. when every anyone questioned it i said here's the blog from world <laughs> of level <laughs> design and, yeah. and they're like yeah okay you're
3: good <laughs> yeah, here's my <laughs> cited sources yeah. well, speaking of knockout city <laughs>
1: Yeah, great segue
3: there. Now <laughs> everlasting ability to get segues going where they don't. <laughs> um, obviously, um, you did, um, I think you, you worked on a number of maps for, like I would say, I believe. Um, yeah, but that, that was, I, I think that was your first time. Was that your first time professionally doing multiplayer level design? It was the um, first time
0: doing level design full stop as a tripl- for a game, uh, at least. For, for oh, tripl- a okay. Awesome.
3: So, yeah, I guess we can... Would you kind of be able to talk about that kind of transition from your prior experience into what became your role on that, if that, if that's not too much of a, a vague uh, way of oh, putting no. <laughs> it? I love telling the people this story because
0: I think it was fucking hilarious like <laughs> yeah. you know when i you know like you know when you see like people online saying oh my god i got an internship at x studio and they have like 20 level designers or everything you know i applied to everywhere you know i had like at least 2k i sent at least 2k or 1.5k worth of emails to all kinds of studios got a rejection from every single one of them except one which was Velen. and Velen were really interested and another studio in holland but i rejected them because the, the pay was horrific and i couldn't live off that so um so i i, I was a bit scared going to the studio because it was in the middle of upstate new york and if you've been if you heard of the little city of troy new york you'll if you go on youtube the first thing that appeared for me was gang violence and death and destruction <laughs> and i was like uh oh, why am i do that, i really want to take
3: this risk that exact warning was i'm pretty sure at, uh where we went to uni adam for at teesside i'm pretty sure we had that exact same warning when we lived <laughs> today yeah just gang
1: violence <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah no no no
0: like i like um it's funny because I also applied to T Side. Um, like uh, but uh, I'm glad that that warning was I, I dodged the bullet, I guess. Uh you know, it's, just, it's just wherever you
2: in. apply. It's just always I'll there. Comment.
0: Um But basically like I just remember we were at um, I went there and I assumed like I would have like a a whole design team and all the support ever and i literally said to i remember the first thing the project coordinator said to me you're the only level designer at the studio you're the only uh like ea we just signed a deal with ea at this point and um you're the reference to everything for this game good luck Shit! <laughs> um, so, like, you know, like, of course we had, like, the previous level designer um, had worked there and he had left the studio, so he had some resources, but, I, you know, again, like, we made a totally different game up to this point. Um, we knew the direction we were going to and everything. And I, I put it put hairs on my chest not gonna lie like it was hard (laughs) because you you had to grow up very quickly when you are like i cannot explain this enough like it is so different and i'm grateful for that because i think it saved my ass in so many occasions you know i don't have the support of many other uh when you don't have the support of other level designers that you can bounce off that information you had to do everything on your own and um I love the challenge so i did and the results well you know people like my levels and the results are there if they're not then sorry (laughs) (laughs) i guess i gotta learn more but that and that's what i do anyway so yeah
3: yeah that's that's class so you kind of mentioned then like you kind of came in very very like you know very hot you were doing a lot of different stuff you didn't have a nice kind of like smooth landing and that kind of onboarding seemed quite uh, deep end um which i know yeah, yeah, which I know that was kind of very similar to me when I was first starting off. I was like, "You're part of like a three-person design team. All this yeah. stuff me doing. Cheers, crack on." It was like, "Oh, okay." But <laughs> so, like, I'm assuming that your actual your title was level designer, but I'm yes. guessing you weren't just doing level design then. I'm guessing you would, yeah, but- spinning a lot of plates, so to speak. Yeah,
0: I I primarily did level design. Um, I did uh, I did contribute to some game modes and all that kind of stuff, and uh, the the core philosophy, and helped improve the pipeline as much as I could and everything. Um, Yeah, it was you know like it it was it it was the the thing that I think what made it made you grow up very quickly. I think in this game was like no one had ever made a dodgeball action game, Mm -hmm. and no one and i mean no one had ever made a game like ours and we had to throw every level design principle you can think of out of the fucking window because it, and that, and that's that that was the thing like you know one moment there's a bit of me that's like i'm worried that i might become like a niche as a level designer and then hmm. there's the other half of me that's like that might be a good thing like that, that, that that's going to make me understand. And it made me understand how important it is to be adaptable as a level designer. Yeah. You get and, that
1: super unique experience from as if it, and then you can apply that to like everything else because it's so niche. Yep. Yeah. And,
0: um, and that, and that was, uh, there was that, you know, of course I built the level, design. you know, the level mechanics with, uh, the legend that is Christopher Mercado. And, uh, we worked really well together and, uh, at least I think I did with him. I I'm <laughs> ask him, but um, I think you know uh, we 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 had a we had a good time. It was it was a fun, you know knockout city was a fun game to work on guys like i can't Mm -hmm. like just you know i still remember like there was a phase early on where i spent like a month and they said just make any level you want i was like really no themes yeah do whatever you want no mechanics or anything i was like cool and i made an aquarium level and i loved it like it's just like (laughs) that's what we could do and we were throwing dodgeballs around aquariums you know and that was that was the that's the beauty the game just sold itself so early on i remember i wasn't a fan at the very beginning of the game (laughs) like not a story entirely, but yeah. after a while, I realized what made the game great, and that really helped me.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, a, go on. Man,
1: sorry, go on, uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say that me and Jack have been super into like uh, sort of very weird sports games, and Adam as well, where it's like you know, you take this concept and then you just make it as much fun as it can possibly be. It doesn't matter how wacky you, you know, as long as it's still got the essence of the sport, Yeah, you just make that go as crazy as possible. And it's still got like, you know, in Knockout City, it's crazy and it's, the visuals are really good. And it's that kind of like, uh, not kiddie, but, you know, Disney, Nintendo style that they have. And it's, it's very it makes, playful. Yeah, yeah, playful is the best definition yeah. for it. Um, but it's still like ultra competitive. Like I remember when yeah. me and Adam were playing it and we were just getting our asses kicked. Like the whole (laughs) time. Did like one game online and we were like, Oh yeah, we're the best ever. And then two day two games later we're just losing every single one. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, you me, they're I
0: could
2: have. brought people. me in the team. Then yeah, you would have won everything. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, people, <laughs> people who are completely like insane at that game as well. Like who have just put so many hours into it. that It's just they're just so good at it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how the how on earth do you find time to do this? Cause yeah, <laughs> no.
3: Developers might not be that 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 skilled at it. Because when it was in beta, I remember we. We tried all the time, me and Willem, to f- grab some time to play together, but it was right when I was bloody working remote with my laptop, so I was like up and down mm. the bloody country with it. But, yep. um I remember playing it in, was it, did it have an Alfram beta or was it just two betas, I think? Okay. It was
0: two betas, yeah. Yeah. We, we yeah. Two betas, yeah.
3: And I remember playing it being like, can't wait to play this, I'm down for like a big arcade sports game, dodgeball, cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing it and getting to the point, I was like, I feel great at this game. Kind of what you were saying, Matt. <laughs> and then yeah. it came out at launch. I played it a bit at launch, right? Did was playing other stuff. Came back to it about two weeks after. I could I could not get a bloody like, knockout. People, the skill level within two weeks of that game was insane. And it was like, I think yeah. it, it's got so much depth to a game, which I think face value, you look at it and be like, I don't think it would be this competitive, but it's really, really rich with its like base set of mechanics that it that it has to offer.
0: Yeah, like our, our philosophy for um, for designing levels in in, in sorry for for the, for the game in general, the core philosophy that that Jeremy Russo, who was the game director, was that this game had to be very watchable. So we mm. would like. I remember we would get the best players in the office, and they it would be like a proper sports event. We even had our own teams, you know. Like, <laughs> and we would and we would we would watch like on a big projector the finals, and it felt like watching a sports event. And that was the kind of the whole principle. Like, I think someone at EA, I do not want to quote this person, but like I will, but I won't say their name. But like, there's a there. He, he had made a, a very brilliant statement about Knockout City, which is I think Knockout City is. The first video game where it genuinely felt like a sport, it's all about reaction. And it's, it's, mm. it's all about like, it's, a, it's something you either got or you don't. And, um, you know, like when you look at like rocket league, which is also a very well balanced game, but it's also very unpredictable. You don't yes. really have control of the scenarios and everything. Knockout city, you control everything. And that's what yes. makes it fun. You know, like when you play, Oh, I'm going to get berated for this, but like when you play <laughs> soccer, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, in, in a field. Hey, I'm, I'm football man. Uh, when you play, when you play soccer on a, on a field, footy better.
2: I'll do footy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There, I'm, okay, I'm, yeah. Footy. Fine,
0: thank you can oh, play no, footy see, on. on a, right about, you know, oh, that's, right about, that's somehow now. worse. Even if, yeah. even if you're even if you're crap at the game, at, at playing the, the the sport, you at least can can have fun. You know, mm-hmm. kicking a ball. Mm-hmm. Kicking a ball feels yeah. good. Same with throwing and catching a ball in Knockout City, and that was the mm-hmm. whole point. And there was psychology and math we put into literally everything. Like, for instance, for a long time to do lob throws, we used mm-hmm. the right stick to to, right. to throw up. But mm. we got rid of that why because we felt it felt too unnatural for a new player to get in in there. So what did we do? We changed all the mappings of like because we used an Xbox controller like this, you know, like we just changed it to all kinds of different buttons and saw like which one felt the most like like if you got like a the, your grandma in Nebraska to play it like which one <laughs> of those did it actually feel right. And we would watch like we would I would spend like watching a playtest and I would look at someone's hands mm. looking at like, you know, whether they, how they were playing uh, and how they were using that button in a way that felt natural. I, and by the way, I make the joke that I overanalyze. But in this case, I had to overanalyze because that was <laughs> the type of game we were making. We were making yeah. an eSports competitive game for everyone. So when I hear that, I'm like, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, at the same time, that, that first whole initial retention of it feeling good to even lose and win, that came from like how natural the game felt, regardless of the maps that came from it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it, honestly. I think I think I think you can feel all of that in the game. Like you really can. It, yeah. Like I think from I, I remember. I, I think it was when I was at yours that that time, uh, Matt and Adam. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it was the beta, and I was playing it on my, my laptop, and I was like, "You're like, oh my god, this looks sick. I might like, give it a go." It's like the feel of the game and everything. It's it's so on point. It's absolutely. But well, that's yeah. what I was
1: saying. We we were playing it in the beta, and I was like, "Oh, this feels so good." Like doing, like you said, you know, doing all of the different moves and everything, and then. I had the same experience as you in the beta. I'm like, oh man, I'm so good at video games. And then, like, <laughs> I play it, I pick it up like a week after it's come out, and I'm like, oh, I'm never playing this game again. Like, no. yeah.
3: <laughs> it's not even that. I think a lot of the time as well, like just in the lobby, I think me and one of my mates, I think Stu, we just yeah. spent hours yeah. just throwing yeah. and catching. Do you know, because it like exponentially just speeds up. Yeah. We just kept throwing it um, to, to like just anything that game like, feels. Mint yeah, hopefully. it does. It feels absolute tough. Yeah, but I guess and that's and... No, so sorry. Go, go, go for on. it. No, go. On. go on. No, no, no. I was just I'll, about to say, go. like, um, <laughs> in like terms of you know, like your actual role is uh, level designer on it. Like, once the kind of rough, you, you were mentioned before, like you were kind of the the whole thing with when you're making something that's unproven, right? and It's new IP. You've got the thing of right. We need to nail down everything the player can do. Before doing any meaningful level design, because as soon as this thing changes, all that stuff is just useless and broken Mm. now. So, what was what was the process like with that? Like, how long are we talking? Did it take for like the three C's of that game to be like we're here now? And we mentioned even like stuff of changing inputs and how that influenced. Like, you had like the lob pass, right? And you did like Y on the controller, and that would change. I think it did like a spin, and that would change the way you spin would be,
0: yeah. Yeah, but that would
3: also act as your like double jump as well as it. Like, you could yep. that how you change your stuff. Same so like, yeah. yeah. So how how long was it before all that came online, and how, did that so... influence the uh, change level design and stuff?
0: No, so so I will, that's actually a very interesting thing. Our three Cs, we, the basis of the three Cs were actually defined by that point, but we okay. wanted to evolve it. Like that was the great thing about Merc, uh, our, our technical designer. He always, with Jeremy, wanted to evolve the gameplay. He knew that as that, that that was in the end of the day that was so important, and especially in a multiplayer game too. You have to stick on your laurels, but you also have to look at, you know, you know we have this opportunity always to, Really smoothen out and iron out the the wrinkles from from the gameplay. Mm-hmm. One of like uh, I, I would say like early on, like uh, the basis for most of our level design was as long as um, we had like a, a unit structure. As long as you had these two units. As long as it, you know. You, you had border warnings when there were pits as long as the map complemented the, the hook of the mechanic that was the important part of, of designing it. So we could from the beginning we could but the, we spent a lot of time early on trying to understand and that was important to me to understand what felt shit about playing the game. Yeah. Great example was you know if you put a um, a roof on top of the uh, top of the map, you'd be surprised how many people don't want to go underneath things and at mm-hmm. the same time also how people overutilize that in knockout city and even even if like that was the thing that i always say like the, what i love about what i do as a job it's like even if you increase it like a ramp size by like one unit up how all of a sudden it feels like you were blindsided by another player And that was a feel bad. And we were like, no, we want to get rid of this shit. So Mm. we had like an angle system, like, you know, and we would use a metric from our uh, traversal room to, to, to do that. And that was just, that was so like, it was such a beautiful feeling when like you, Mm. you, you, you people will say, oh, this is too high, and you dropped it by one unit. It's like, oh, now it's perfect. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. welcome to my job. Like, it's, <laughs> it makes such a big, big philosoph- philosophical change. And so, but that evolved. Like, even then, like, you know, like Rooftop Rumble, which was the first map I worked on, mm-hmm it's a it's a it's a it's your vanilla level for knockout yeah. city i mean everything I think, that i knockout think it's city like
3: the quintessential map though I, I'd, I'd probably mm. argue that might just because it was my first one i played but i think it to me it's you get you know this it's it doesn't have like the was like some maps that had like a very like specific way of traversing like the, like the tubes and stuff but i think that one is it's got like the updrafts and things like that. But I think for yes. the most part, it was it, almost like you said, like the kind of default, like, no holds bad. Like, this is knockout city as it kind of comes. This is
0: knockout city as it is, yeah. I yeah. mean, and in many ways, like there are things we could have done better. We should have added more verticality, 100%. But I was okay with that. Like, I don't mind if it's a bit like two for it. You know, I think as long as the, 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 the play experience was enjoyable, as long as you got the most out of it, and as long as the game, like we didn't take the players out of the game and the players started focusing more on the level. That mm-hmm. was the key to making Rooftop Rumble great. Um, I made a whole blog about it; like it was a word that really just sort of changed the whole philosophy on the map. Mm-hmm. But like, like th- this was such a key, crucial point to making great, uh, a great knockout city level. But I, I would a hundred percent like going on what you were saying, Jack. Like, you know, um, like the, the, as the game evolved, like there were things that we definitely could have done better uh, with that map. Like we had this prism-shaped glass thing that was on the. On the left and we had a flank route all the way on the left which I think eh, was kind of crap and useless but like I, I'm okay admitting that because it was like I know as a level designer I can always do that better um, mm-hmm. and we also learned a little small thing like we started learning what a, what felt bad about a pit like a, a, if you have a pit falling off and then there's geo below it yeah. like we did a, I did a really stupid thing where I noticed players I got the same feedback where pe- people hated going backwards from the blue VIP section down right. down to this pit all the way to the to that flank route. People hated that dropping down there because like I don't know if there's something dropping down there and the whole map has only drop offs So I need this to be clear. So for a month I was like, do I increase it up? Do I do anything? Yeah. The solution was put a fucking flag. I put a pole, like a green pole or an orange <laughs> pole on the back oh, it's perfect, all of a sudden. You know, like, that was all stuff. And then we learned afterwards, if you're going to do a pit, one, you need to show the geo leading out of that, and two, if you're not, put something to present it, like, as a statue, even if it's, like, a cord with a different color.
3: Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So, somehow that's what I thought about was, obviously, designers, we are the main, you know, kind of, like stakeholders of, you know, a piece of content, whether it's mechanic level, whatever. Um, so do you do you have any um cuz well, I think you've made quite a cool um lot of tips almost for like juniors kind of what you've been mm-hmm. talking so far like do you think there's some kind of cool things you've learned from not necessarily on Arc City but mainly cuz I think it was obviously a good like 101 of level design for you um mm-hmm. like good like tips or bits of knowledge sort of like a, what's like a good working relationship when you're liaisoning with whether it's environment art or code animation things like
0: that it's like being with a partner it's all about
3: compromise i
0: mean you got to compromise everything there's a lot of things we want to do in life you know like uh, some people want to become game directors for the next bioshock and all that kind of stuff but like there's other folks who simply can't do that yeah (laughs) i I know jack i I called you about the job
2: Uh, (laughs) yeah
0: I heard, the, you know, it's actually the Lighthouse
3: sequel. Um, but, uh, you know. Oh, God. You that. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> it's a good job. Um, got skinny jeans on. Otherwise, his tattoo would be popping out. <laughs> yeah. and that's when Jack took it personally. Uh, you know, like, you know. Like,
0: um, so, anyway. But uh, yeah, I would sir. say the biggest thing, like, you know, like, I was always a very stubborn mule uh, when it came to the way I, I did things. Um, you know, like I always hated getting feedback and all that kind of stuff. My 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 personal way and my and the most important thing about working with another team, compromise, 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 and lean on that like there's no tomorrow. There are going to be moments where yeah, you know, uh, you have to stand up for your values and metrics and we did that a lot. But yeah. like I think if you ask like that level art team like why because we worked so well with that level art team together um run by a lot of great folks we if you ask them like what made it work was that we loved making games and we were willing to compromise because we knew we can adapt to anything and that was fantastic and they knew that hey wise, we couldn't change anything but when it came to the pois and everything and how they shaped they were willing to work around like what we would tell them. I mean, I still remember I would walk through the metricses, and they loved that. the, the lead mm-hmm. art the level the lead artist absolutely adored that mm-hmm. when it came to um, to going through that. It was like, yes, this is great because now I know exactly what I can't do, and I can yeah. build around that. And that is compromise, you know, and vice versa, you know when we were building narrative for levels or like, listen, you, we need you to take this into account guys, you know, because, you know, we, we still need to art up your stuff. Like if you just put a computer in a map in the middle of a map in a, in a place where there's no computers whatsoever, you know, like, fuck you, you know, like you need to, <laughs> you have to build that bridgeway. And that was, that's always my b- biggest advice, whether you're junior or senior, because there's a lot of people who think they're rock stars because they're good at what they do. And they're the expert yeah. in where they're, and we are in some aspects. We are experts <laughs> of what we do, but we also have to trust the process. And that's that's very important.
2: Yeah. That, I think um, it's really interesting what you were saying before about um, when you first joined and you, t- you were told uh, that you would be the reference for the game itself. And I think that really ties into um, what design is and what we do is that we are the reference point for everything else, mm-hmm. providing yeah. that context. And I think when you talked about the narrative purposes for those for the environment are. It's just a a pure example of that as well. People will come, the other disciplines might come to you or you might go to them to give them reasons as to why you have to design it this way or they have to make the art this way. So Uh I think that's
0: yeah like exactly I, I would say um if for context like level design wise that was I was sort of the point of of, of info um, game design wise was always Merc. um he was our he, he was our reference but yeah a hundred like you know like that was the that was the thing and we going back to the first question asked about working on knockout you know like I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, I think I'm blessed in many ways that I was thrown at the deep end, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it makes you grow up quickly, yeah. you know, I mean, and also it's funny, like, if you meet most senior people from the early 2000s who worked in design, they'll say, well, get used to it. That was what it was like in the past. Most days, I think like a lot of, we take a lot of things for granted, like, you know, and I, that's what I loved about it. Cause it felt like old school, eighties, nineties yeah. development, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's cool. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. great. You know,
1: when, when my, uh, tutors in uni were like, oh yeah, you'll learn as much uh in the first two weeks in industry as you will in the three years on course that was like so true because you know mm-hmm. i got uh we had some big teams on man of the when i was on that and but that was like you just jump in and here's a load of stuff you go sort that out and i was like oh okay yeah i guess yeah. guess i'll do that uh <laughs> yeah you learn so much by just being put in that in that mode and you just where you have to like i got to get it done otherwise it's not going to get done and you're the guy to do it you
3: know so yeah and um, it's a
1: joy
0: isn't it when you nail that and it's like you yeah, know, yeah, yeah you know you get that part right and it's just the best feeling it's my favorite feeling in too. the world no yeah, it's it my favorite I, I, I was going to uh, say like it's the best feeling Christ. in the world when you work it walk into the office and you wake up in the morning you realize fuck i work in lo- as a game developer mm-hmm. in a game yeah. studio that is yeah. that's that's what gets that me up perfect. in the morning you know
2: yeah that is perfect and and on the other side of that i guess it's when when things release and you see all of the fruits of the labor from every single person on that team and when you see it all come together that is something that is a feeling that you will not forget when you see no. people actually enjoy the product
3: that you've uh, that you brought out i mean Especially. that's such
1: a big oh you go jack
3: i was about to say like, i think it's uh, i can't I, was, I saw something recently there's someone was asking someone about like game design or something like maybe someone from the film industry to games or maybe even TV or something and they were saying like how how hard it must be for developers in games to sit there for like you know at the time it used to be like what two and a half years three years we're looking more for these big crazy games now like five years now for some games even six yeah, years. And yeah even six mm-hmm. years like you you don't get you're gonna show anything you're doing for like half a decade yeah, you know, sat there yeah, I and mean, being look, like, "Look at Cyberpunk 2011, well, yeah. 2010, They started developing yeah. that game. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, and it's like there's people who like they 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 didn't have kids at the start of that. At the end of it, they had kids who were like, <laughs> you know, 10, nine, ten years old, and <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. You, you sat on this thing for so long, and when you finally have it, it it's almost like like this cathartic feeling of like, mm-hmm. ah, it's out there now, like uh, you you almost don't even care if it's good or bad. It's just it's out there. Cool, and then you get Breathe. you get that <laughs> thing that you, uh, you I think
2: that's, that's a, two weeks of like, oh, <laughs> done. Yeah. I finished
1: it. All right, on to the next yeah. one. Seeing two yeah. years, three years. to the that. next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, I think that that's is... the thing that you
2: were saying, of is that is that the point that that gets you through that and to that end point is just the sheer joy of what you're actually doing day yeah. to day. Because at the end of the day, it is a job. You know, you you show up and you, and you have off days and you have bad days and you have good days. But when you those days where you go in, you're like, wow, I'm actually making something that's really cool. Mm. And working with yeah, an amazing uh-huh. team for it, that's what gets you through. it. it's a fantastic feeling.
0: I, I remember, like, early on, like, you know, when I was thinking about, like, oh, you know, like, I worked at. Uh, you know, like, you know, when you're living in upstate and, you know, it's a cold, derelict uh, part of the world. I mean, still great. I mean, still, don't forget, it's a first world country and not like you're in, you're in the, you know, but it's, you know, it, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit distance. And
3: mm. I, I just
0: remember I, I wa- you go to the, the streets of Troy and I would walk past and there would be a homeless guy on the side and everything. And then you go into the office and. And then you realize in front of you you've got a guy who used to work at Nintendo, you've got another guy who used to work on the first two Uncharted games and on Halo Four. And then you got another person over, and then you realize can you imagine telling your kids yeah. or even like telling yourself as a ten year old, holy mm-hmm. shit. Like one of my friends is a, one of my best friends is a guy called Corey Hamilton. And he told me he worked on the Lemony Snicket's uh, game from the 2000s. I was right. like, I was like. I played that, that game and I, I, I got angry at him. I'll like, say, cause I hate it. Like, you know, I remember making jokes about it. I like, yeah. What happened is like, yeah, well, that's, that's, you know, and this, and it's just, it's so cool. And it's such a big part of what I love about the industry, but I also don't get carried away, you know, like, yeah, it's great that you've done what you've done. But for me personally, I don't know if it's this, the sports side of me coming. I'm not interested as much anymore. What I did in the past. I want Star Wars Hunters that I'm working on right now to be the best fucking game I've ever created. And mm-hmm. I want it to be the best game in the world. And that's maybe my competitive edge, but that's uh, that's about it.
1: I think that's always the way it's going to be. And I think that's just like the beautiful part of the games industry. It's like like you said, I came in and then I was speaking to one of my uh, my execs and they were like, oh yeah, I worked on Quidditch World Cup. And I was like, what? I played so much in that game. Yeah. Yep. It's such a small industry and yeah. it's been such a while. But I think, that is the the great thing about the games industry is it's so small and you know all these people and you know, I guess the, so easy surmise, but we get to make games for a living. That's just really yeah. cool. Like,
3: it feels a like a weird we have version have of yeah. like You know that scene in Jaws when they're all like comparing like the scars <laughs> and they're all got legs in the table and they're all going through. Oh, it yeah. feels like a weird version of that. And you talk to people everyone starts going through like, Oh, did you? Well I worked on this like, did you like Oh, moments. You should have think... seen the development
2: on this. Yeah, it's like, this is, like
3: yeah. cool, like, I'm hesitant to call them war stories, that makes them sound really cool, yeah. but you know what I mean? They are these little moments when you can, you do have, you kind of pull cool together, and even if you worked in a game that, you know, it wasn't the most amazing thing in the world, but... You had a great at time working. At least you, you on got it. to tell that story. At least exactly. you could go tell that story. You out, Can you yeah. imagine
0: like someone at a bank telling you, "Oh, I saw a guy, you know, do this and that." I'm like, great! I had to try and uh, imagine like working on Saints Row having to explain that to you. Mistextured the the like an inappropriate costume or something like that. Having to explain that—that's funny. Like that's something (laughs) worth telling. It's an anecdote. It's a Jeremy Clarkson anecdote. But anyway, yeah, it's
1: amazing. I mean, and that is just the small little anecdotes and stories you get from the games industry is so good. And I think because that is such a positive message to end on on the (laughs) game. I think I'm going to tail us out there as we're coming up the time. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for being hour, here, Will. Me. It's been an amazing chat, uh, and we have been rules of play. And we'll see you on the next episode.
3: Yes. Thank yeah. you very much.
2: Bye. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Cheers, Will. Bye, bye. Cheers, Willie.